podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host Craig Fowler and joining me on this occasion to talk through the three out of six Scottish Premiership matches that managed to survive the dreadful weather conditions that we've had in this past weekend is Ewan Taylor. Hello Craigs. And Craig Anderson. Hello Ewan and Craig. Right, guys, let's start. And all the listeners, sorry to interrupt, but I I couldn't just say hello to the two of you. It's important to say hello to the people that are. Was that really worth interrupting just to say (laughs) hello to the listeners? It wasn't, Craig, but I've got main character syndrome. Right, fair enough. You've you've thrown thrown our host off. Anyway, Craig, carry on. Anyway, yes, let's uh, let's begin with uh, this. Is probably going to be a shorter podcast, so we're going to just go deep, de- deep depth, deep depth. Let's go to deep depth on all these teams, and let's see if we can still ring out roughly forty minutes. I'm not sure if that's going to be possible, but we have said this before many a times, and still ended up doing it over an hour. So you never know when it comes to the tennis podcast. Mm. But we shall begin with the match at Ibrox this past weekend. Rangers defeating Hibs by four goals to nil in the first match for the new Rangers manager. Ewan, there's plenty of uh, Hibs to talk about yes. after this game and, and Nick Montgomery's comments. Uh-huh. But let's start with your boys. What did you see? What did you see different? Was was there really anything different, or was this just because I mean Michael Beale could still beat Hibs four 0 especially <laughs> when they line up in a kamikaze formation? But yes, what was it? Was it was there anything you saw that was kind of changed under the new boss? Well, I mean, as you say, it's kind of hard to to work out. I mean, this is as a Rangers fan, this is probably my favourite type of like battering a, a, a another team in Scottish football when when they sort of think they've had got a chance. And then mm. you know, and then they come and they they have a go, and uh, and they just you know they just get absolutely sparked out. So so it's kind of I, I I did say before the game that I thought it might be it's probably an ideal game for for uh, Clermont because it'll probably be a bit like a Belgian football game where the teams have a go because I did feel that Hibs would probably you know, pitch up and you know playing the same way they have been and, and obviously they did do that which we'll come on to. In terms of Rangers' approach, I mean, yeah, they we were probably a bit more. Forward thinking, a bit less ponderous, but probably there's a fair way to go in, in that regard. The, I think I think probably the biggest difference was scoring early. To be honest, um, I, I didn't think there was that much in the game up until Rangers took the lead through Abdal Sima continuing his his good form, and you know after that, yeah, the, that that could happen. That could happen under under Beal. To be honest, it, it's just the, the players will play with more confidence if the crowd aren't on their backs. Uh, after twenty minutes, and it's nil nil. So, so yep, yeah, it, it was definitely a better performance. Uh, you know, the, the recent Rangers performance is probably the best we played this season. I don't know how much. I mean, I, I think uh, Clermont would probably say himself. It, it's probably not that much down to him coming in. Um, he's just not had enough time to make a, a massive difference yet. But uh, and you know, any, any, the, the personality picked was probably along the same lines that the Buell 
would have picked or or even Davis and um and Alex Ray, the dream team beforehand, uh, would have picked. <laughs> so, so I don't think I I, I don't think there's there's that much to put down to to the new managerial mastermind that we've got in. Um, albeit you know obviously it, it's much better to to start with a four 0 win over Hibs than it would have been like a a two 0 defeat or something. So so yeah, positive signs and definitely I think there's there's we will be pressing higher up the park than than uh, has been the case previously and you can see the start of that but question is whether rangers are fit enough to to do that and and we'll maybe see whether i, I think it does suit the forward players to be honest just the but they might need to be a bit fitter than they've looked so far because i think they are are all to lesser and greater extents actually quite adept at, at pressing um and maybe not as adept <laughs> at other things like scoring from six yards out and pretty much open goal Sam Lammers again, but, <laughs> but but yeah. Apart from uh, apart from that, yeah, he did. I suppose you know, he Sam Lammers got an assist, which was, I mean, it was tackling a guy in a sort of borderline foul to pass to a boy that was thirty yards out, and then he just slams in. Um, so it's not not the, the most uh, cutting of assists uh, for Lammers, but I suppose he, he got a number. And uh, yeah, so I think that, that that is what the the forwards, if they're good at anything, it's probably that. So we should probably base our game around around that as whether the rest of the team, you know, particularly the defence, is quick enough to to play a, a really high line that, that might require remains to be seen. But uh, but yeah, certainly uh, you're a promising start, and I think over the next few weeks, obviously, we'll, we'll get a bit more of an idea of how Clement's ideas actually mesh with the, the squad that we've got at the moment. When a manager comes into a new club, something that you always kind of highlight is players that are going to have, often it's talking about players having second chances, but it could also be just players finding a new lease of life, having the ability to just kind of draw a line in the sand of what's happened before and, and start afresh. And Craig Anderson, Cyril Dessers. I mean... It still was it the best of performances that I've seen, but he did take his goal very well, didn't he? Well, I knew where you were. Uh, I knew where you were going when you were saying that because you were. It was. It was very much um, more of the same in many ways. But he did score. But but as you pointed out, he has he has already scored. It's not his first goal, mm-hmm. but he does seem to need about three hundred chances per goal. And although it still led to the third goal, that that piece of play. In the, in the lead up to Sima's second goal was quite astonishing um, in the way that he shimmied past the goalkeeper maybe more by luck than ability and then had like a first really bad touch and then his second shot fair enough it's blocked but was it his was first like shot did he not shoot it off himself it's on foot that's <laughs> what I thought like yeah it was um, and, and, and it obviously Sima, Sima then puts it in and, um, but it was um, it was a nice finish, but as with I think all four goals, um, aided and abetted by by David Marshall, um, looking Ooh. very very unable to get down like that. You mentioned um, you mentioned that like, Lammers getting an assist on the um, the opening goal, but I, I think sorry the second goal for Raskan. I I actually think Marshall got the bigger assist for that because I've never seen I do I I don't think I've ever seen like a actual real goalkeeper <laughs> taking so long to get down to a shot um, like unless they're injured it reminded me of the, um, when, when Kelly won the league against our both and Derek Gaston had like properly injured himself and then the winning goal it was just like he, he just didn't have it in him to mm. go towards even trying to save it 
and there was a little bit of that aspect to it. I didn't, I didn't personally think it was a foul either. I thought Lamos is a fine tackle, but yeah. But but from Dessa's point of view, he gets the goal. Sometimes they always say, "All you need is one to go in off, off your arse." That was better than one going in off his arse in the sense that there was a, a degree of competence and a degree of composure mm-hmm. about how he put it away. But we'll see. I, I think I remain to be convinced whether um, this is going to. Open the open the floodgates when it comes to his goal scoring. I'm telling you, buy stocks and serial dessers right now because <laughs> the only way is up. Because <laughs> it'll cost a pen, a pen <laughs> each. I, I, so I'm uh, I'm refusing to get off the dessers stream because I, I thought he was going to be good, and it was fair to say he's not been so far. But uh, I I do I, I think his career's been really quite good up until now. So it didn't make sense to me that he would just be as bad as he's been. So there has to be something else, and I do wonder. Sometimes I think I always remember the um, when uh, Fernando Morientes signed for Liverpool back in the day. Anyway, and it was obviously looked like a good signing. He'd been part of Real Madrid teams that been very successful. Went to Monaco um, on loan and, and did really well. Got them, uh, I think, to the final of the Champions League that season. But his whole career was based around basically being more physical than the defenders he was up against. But that was in Spain and in France because he was a big lad, and he came to England. And he just couldn't do it because the the English for uh, defenders were, you know, so much uh, stronger than he was used to. And it's like his his sort of big USP almost as a player didn't work. And I I do think sometimes when physical strikers come to Scotland, yeah, as Dessers has been through his whole career, they they do struggle to adapt a, a bit to to how physical the defenders are here. And, and that would probably be the case you know, if he was he was playing in England as well. So, so yeah, I, I do wonder if it's a bit of that. I mean, Jackamacus is the that's the example that I'm sort of clinging to a wee bit because if you remember, Jackamacus was rotten for Celtic when he first joined. Um, and he was injured as well, but he also didn't look fit when he was when he was meant to be fit. He had that game against uh, Livingston where he missed the penalty and Celtic drew nil nil, which was you know the Desters hadn't had quite a sort of catastrophic game as that yet. It might be in the post, but it's not happened yet. So I'm clinging to the fact, and they, you know, they've not had massively dissimilar careers. Jack Mackers and Dester's both been top scorer in, in Holland previously. So I, I'm sort of clinging to that in that you know, it did take probably Jack Mackers until the second half of the season to, to look good for Celtic, and then he looked, looked very good up until basically until, until he left. So I'm hoping that that is the case uh, with, with Dester's, albeit I appreciate he has been humpty so far. <laughs> Well, the the bright spark of the Rangers forward line, the brand new Rangers forward line that was brought in this year, was Abdullah Sima. Mm. And everyone said he was pitched to begin with as well, and he's, he's so I, I refused to accept that that was the case, and that is he's at least come good. Well, he had a, a great game on Saturday, not just his two goals, but and, and this segues nicely into the way that Hibs kind of lined up for this game yeah. and their tactics and their kind of gung-ho approach because putting Seema one-on-one with Lewis Miller as often <laughs> as he was able to, to get there. Uh-huh. Oh man, did that man feast or did he not feast? Uh, yeah, he's 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 a difficult um, player to deal with because uh, I mean, he's, he's so direct and he's really, really, really quick. Quicker than I think we're used to having players in Scotland, um, and he's he obviously got the confidence to to finish at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's Miller just couldn't cope. Again, he's you know, Lewis Miller's probably a player that relies quite a lot on his physicality in terms of defending because he's a big lad yeah. and he's quick. Uh, but he was up against a guy who's bigger than him and quicker than him, and he just you know that he's was like, Lewis Miller's not actually quick. He looks like he should be quick, mm. but he's not. He's, he's very athletic, but he doesn't have a lot of pace. Aye. yeah, and but yeah, just Seema was just burdened, especially on the the first goal. 
Um, that that was I thought it was a great a great finish. Will be again, yeah, with, with Marshall. The, the amount of goals that Marshall conceded that reminded me of Alan McGregor, watching Alan McGregor in the last few seasons. I mean, I, that that's every time I watch Marshall now. To be honest, it just is. It, you can just see it. It's obviously a, a once good goalkeeper that is no longer. And and I felt that that just that that seam of finish for the first goal reminded me of. Like the Cholak goal that uh, he scored from Almo uh, against Rangers, the Martin one of the Martin Boyle goals in that the semi final in the League Cup, quite similar finishes. The, I mean, they're really good finishes, they're right in the side netting, but at the same time, you sort of think a, a goalkeeper might get his angles right and, and sort of stop that because it's, it's a difficult finish to pull off. Uh, the second goal is just, I mean, you could throw a hat on that. And yeah, the uh, <laughs> the, the, the probably the worst Marshall moment was the um, when he just sclaffed it straight to John Lundstrom, who then I think the the finish was worse than the uh, mistake. <laughs> Just a bit, <laughs> completely bad. I was thinking that when, when I watched it, it's like one of those passages of play that like some some English trumpet supports like Burton yep. Albion would post. It's like evidence <laughs> of how straight our game is. Yes, you, you'd struggle to disagree with that. Despite them both being like you know uh, like both of them played in the yes. Premier League uh, previously. <laughs> yes, I can't believe Flodstrom did that. To be um, I mean, played in the Premier League, not missed the chance. I can uh, can perfectly believe they did that. But uh, but yeah, so it's. Uh, I mean, I was actually one of the guys on uh, on our Discord. It's Finley, I believe. It said they reminded Hibbs' approach in general reminded him of Aberdeen last season when uh, it was one of uh, Van Bronckhorst's last games when Rangers were obviously uh, you had a bit of turmoil at the time. Uh, Aberdeen were were going pretty well, and uh, they turned up Ibrox and, and and went for it, and, and Rangers won four one. As you know. Pretty much the only good Rangers performance in in months uh, either side of it to be honest uh, at, the, at the time and um, and yeah that it was I think Montgomery's good, especially because of how good Hibbs could be on the counter attack I don't understand why you would set up the way they set up I think it's one of those lessons to people mm. that say oh why why do we not just go after them mm. it's like they might be shit relative to how shit how good Rangers can or have been mm-hmm. at times over the last few years, mm-hmm. um, or, well, like one one and a half years out of the last few years. But they are still better than you, and and there's a reason that they still finish second and will finish second in the league and did finish second in the league last season. Like they are still better than you, so you there are very limited circumstances after which you can ever really go after them and playing the way Hibs did. It, 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 yeah, it was basically playing into Rangers' hands, and, and the best way to, the best way to beat this Rangers team is what's been shown by by the, the teams that have beaten them already, which is to sit and let them frustrate themselves, and then yeah, exactly find a goal. Exactly, it's kind of it's not that, but it's kind of even what Celtic did. Like Celtic didn't go fully after them um, in the, in the win. Like they, they did, they they obviously had more of the game than you'd expect Kelly or whoever mm-hmm. to have, but it was. Um, I think it was a wee bit of a lesson in that respect. It, yeah, Montgomery he probably had, he's never managed in an unequal league before, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like the Mariners, he's, he managed. In, they're they're one of the the less resourced teams in in Australia, certainly. But like, so if they're up against a Sydney or a Melbourne City or a Melbourne Victory or whatever, they've probably got a bit less. But it's not to the extent that um, in the leagues that he played in was more or less the same, and he was playing mostly most his career. English Championship or Division One, as it's been called, it was the same. There, there, mm. he didn't spend a lot of his time coming up against teams that were like vastly better. Yeah, and and that's kind of what you saw yesterday. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I, I think he will just have to, and, and 
obviously everything he said after the game is the opposite of saying basically <laughs> if you read if you read out face values like I, i'm re- refusing to learn as nick montgomery but uh, <laughs> I, I suspect that was a bit of bluster and he will be thinking actually next time um because is it next week they're playing celtic yes Easter road yeah so yeah if, if he goes 44 again uh, i mean just because and the, the thing is, it, it's not because like, it's not just like going with these two. It's not just setting up with the four four two and because mm. everything about it is what you think it was for for those unaware. Like it was a proper like it didn't change anything from what he's been playing since he's been Hibs manager so far. It changed nothing whatsoever. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like a oh they're playing Boyle and Yuhan on the wings and they're playing two up front, but they're you know they're sitting deep and. Boyle and Johan are really protecting the fullbacks, and you know the, the forwards are kind of splitting out and, and covering fullbacks and stuff that you can do in a four-four-two when you've kind of got two wingers and two forwards and still be set up kind of defensively or at least some sort of solidity against a team that's just obviously going to be better than you away from home. But they, they gave them no protection. The fullbacks were left one on one constantly all game. That was why Seaman just continually ripped Miller apart. Mm-hmm. He got no help whatsoever. They were bombing on something rotten as well. Jordan Abita, the amount of times he was appearing yep. deep in the Rangers half, which is, we've yet to see any real evidence of that's a good thing as well, <laughs> I would say so far since he's been signed. Mm-hmm. And also as well, just like you're given no de- protection at all, whether it's out wide or whether it's through the middle to a defensive four that needs a lot of protection. And you, I think you can get away with games with other teams because you can outscore them. But you're not going to do that to Rangers at Ibrox, or you're going to mm-hmm. find yourselves very fortunate in, in order to do it. And even like little things as well, like doing the, because of their, their by kicks, the, the ones that it's like constantly pl- passing out for the back. And again, I say I, I know why they're doing it, but because it, it draws the other team in. And if they can pass it around it, then with the speed of the guys they have mm-hmm. in the attack, all four of them that, that started on Saturday have got a certain degree of quickness to them. Mm-hmm then it makes sense to build your attack th- that way. That That's the kind of... That's why I think I'm, I'm generally not too hard on that side of it, whereas other people would be like, oh, why, what are you doing, especially Ibrox, when they're going to be very good at closing you down and getting the ball off you. Mm-hmm. But just, like... Like, Rangers would have an attack and it would, it would go out for a goal kick. And you're thinking, right, take the sting out of it a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, just... David yeah. Marshall, go go do the whole thing when you go to the other end and you kick the post and you take about 40 minutes and yeah, you're already a goal down or maybe even two goals down, but you know, you're giving your players a chance. It's it's going to be difficult to do that much running and, and you don't want to immediately just keep the game going and keep the game frantic because that's going to suit the team that's better. There were just so many things about the performance that, that really make an awful lot of sense to people who are probably more familiar with Scottish football than Nick Montgomery is. Yeah, I have a real. I mean, I tell you, had a absolutely horrendous performance. James Jimmy Jago, yeah. he is rotten. Oh, yeah, I mean, we we yeah, we know that he, you know, he can't really play football, and we, but we know at the same time there's probably reasons that he has to be in the team at times. But I, I think it's probably uh, just it, it's a reason why I don't long term. I don't think this formation will work for Hibs because I, I don't think in Scottish football you can get midfielders good enough to play as a two in midfield anymore, really. I think it's really difficult to find somebody all round good enough that that won't, you know, because Jekyll's probably okay-ish in a three if he's got like two other footballers beside him. But and, and basically him and Joe Neal, and, and Neal, Neal maybe has 
most of the attributes that you would look for other than like an all-round center mid. I, I'm not as big on him as, as some other people are, as in Tony. But, I, I, yeah. I like I, Joe Newell, but he can't, he's, he's not a good defender. Yeah. So yeah. having him in a two is a problem for that reason alone. Yeah, yeah, and then when when Levitt came on, like you you instantly played like a, a really good uh, like sixty yard pass, but you couldn't play him in a two either because no, he really can't, can't defend. defend. <laughs> he really can't defend. So, <laughs> and and I don't think you're going to find that there isn't like I mean for that kind of formation you're looking for like a Germany, for example, like yeah that that's the sort of midfielder you, that you need like you need a proper all round good at absolutely everything and you two of them. And you're just not going to even you obviously scale that down to like Scottish football standard. I, I think you would like Celtic would struggle if it was like, if they just played like Hatati and McGregor, for example. They're, they're they're good at everything, but if you just played the two of them, I think and, and you and two wingers and two strikers, I, I think Celtic would you know, would lose more games than they they lose by playing three. So it's uh, I I just think it's a real struggle to to find players that will be able to do that, and ultimately. It's. I mean, I don't think it's a bad formation to them to have in their locker. And you know, say if it if it'd been Rangers been one 0 up going into the last ten minutes or last fifteen minutes, you could they could have switched to to that sort of four two four and and gone for it at that stage. And you know, and then you know, what have you got to lose? But to start with it and to well, you just be, keep it throughout the whole game, I thought it was it was baffling. Okay, it's about time to go to our second match and that took place at Rugby Park on Saturday as the hosts managed to do something for the first time that they haven't done since July, it must be, and that's defeat a team that is not named either Celtic or Rangers and that's Killy beating Livingston by three goals to one. Kelly opened the scoring but Livingston came back before Kelly took the lead again before half time but that even was quite... Generous probably on the on the visitors to to equalise and to be within a goal at half time because I only watched the first sixty minutes so that's basically until it went three one. But to me, Craig, it looked like a thoroughly do- dominant performance from your boys. Yeah, it, it was much needed for Kelly, and it, it was a good performance. It was the the result was much more important than the performance for Kelly in terms of the way the season had been going and just like not like as I say, we hadn't won a league game since the opening day, so like just getting a win, but the fact that they both came in tandem was um, was a really good thing and aided and abetted by by an absolutely dreadful Livingston performance. I think because Livingston haven't lost a lot of games this season, but I think the problem they had in this game is that they came up against a team whose strengths lie in very similar places mm. to where theirs do, but who also have better players. So it's probably the worst, potentially the worst opponent they could have got um, and, and, and Martindale said after the game that they, they were bullied and, and to an extent they were they were physically matched by Kelly, but also they were I mean they were outplayed as well. Kelly had a lot of the ball and and used it well and created a hell of a lot of chances. Um, not not like glaring chances, but like openings constantly. And and it was one of those where when when they got that penalty, um, which was a really daft challenge, obviously started to worry about more of the same from the season. But the fact we got the goal just before half time probably made it a comfortable um, comfortable afternoon in the second half performance from Livingston. I don't think I've seen as bad a 45 minutes from, from a team anywhere at this level in a very long time. They were hopeless in the second half. Yeah, we'll get on to talking about Livy a bit more, but let's focus on Kelly for the meantime. Kyle Vassell, I mean, he got two goals, but even without his two goals, I thought he was tremendous. He mm. was, it was... 
I was trying to think what he reminds me of, and this is weird because I've used this before, but I've used it to describe defenders who aren't very good because it's something that I think they call defenders in basketball. If they're not good, they call them a turnstile. You can just go through them. Mm-hmm. Kyle Vassell is a turnstile for up front. <laughs> so, but what I mean is like it comes up to him, like the play comes up to him. It slows because he's not the he's not the quickest of men, but it still funnels through him. He manages he's, by hook or by crook, whatever he does, whether he even sometimes without even touching the ball, mm-hmm. he just he just got that manhandling ability over his opposing defender that it just seems that so whatever way he does it, the ball goes up to him, and then it'll slow for a bit, and then it'll just keep going. The move will keep going through. So is it a turnstile in a good way? I mean, I'm glad you. I'm glad you clarified that for us, Craig. To be honest, but I do, I do see what you mean. Um, and at least it's not the the Hamden turnstiles, or the ball would be with them for like 45 minutes before it, it went anywhere. Hey. I suppose I, it's not. It's not modern turnstiles where there's somebody trying try their best to get a QR code against them. But uh, you know, uh, he is he is a phenomenal physical specimen mm. um, in particular, and apart from. All the injuries are because of that as well. It's like his body is a shape that I don't think humans should really have a body um, in many ways. But he he is so box office to watch because he's he plays he's a very a very physical, very aggressive player. But he's got a really good touch as well. And you saw that wee bit of um, that wee bit of kind of creativity with the the setup for the the opening goal when he kind of holds the ball up as you say for so long. Because it's funny watching it back. And Dab, you see him getting the ball in his feet, and Ndaba's not even started his run. Mm. And, and Vassell's already got the ball, but as you say, he holds it up and he slows it down for so long that Ndaba's able to make the overlap, and, and, it, and it's a nice back heel. And and then he got he gets the two goals himself. He certainly could have had more as well. He is central to absolutely everything. And I know when I've I said this before, when, when we spoke, Craig, about um, when he got the new contract last year, I was unconvinced at that point, but more or less ever since he signed that deal, he has been he's been a, an absolute standout and very much captain material as well. He's a really good captain, I think, and he he does a lot of that um, that stuff. And it's yeah, it, it was a it was a definite. There were lots of good performances for Kelly yesterday, but he he won the sponsors man of the match and, and unsurprisingly so because it was a colossus in that game. Um, but but as I say, all round, um, I mentioned in Daba. Getting him back, I think the start of the season, the first few games, he was a he was a real find and he really stood out and then and then got that injury. But having a natural, it's weird that I think um, Ipswich fans keep saying, "Oh no, he, he's been playing left back, but he's actually a centre half." That that boy's not a centre half. That he, he's too he's too good to be a centre half. Like he's too good with the ball and he's too good at running and all the rest of it. Like Stuart Finlay's a centre half. Mm-hmm. Like Stuart Finlay is shit on the ball, but. And Dabba's like so confident, like strutting into midfield and, and getting into attacking positions. He made a big difference. And then Lewis Mayo is the opposite of any other centre half you ever see, and that he's like so calm on the ball. He's your he's a he's a Jack Hendry of the defence, mm. if you want to put it that way. Um he, he had a really good game. And and the difference, I think, from previous performances with Liam Polworth in a game like this, where it was frantic, he was the guy that calmed it down and put his foot on the ball and I'm not the biggest fan of Liam Polworth, but in a game like that, he offered exactly what was needed because even in situations where he would have the ball kind of maybe on, on his own touchline and most players are just lashing it, but he's just like taking a second to wait until basically drawing their player and then, you know, clap a ball around the side of him and all these things that when everyone else is running about, 
he seemed to be watching the game at a different speed. So there was just so much to like about the performance um, on the whole. But I, I am just in the same way that I've not been getting too down on some of the defeats because I think the the draws more than defeats. We've drawn more than we've been losing. Where I think there's enough evidence that the team is clicking. I'm not going to put too much stock in this win because I do think Livingston were were, were very bad. Hmm. Yeah, we could as well go to them. Now, actually, before we do, just to wind it back slightly, one question I'd ask, because you talked about two members of the back three there. Having returned to the back three, I was surprised to see it was Robbie Dees that was on the bench. Yeah, so it seems to be... It's always going to be a hard one there because I think Stuart Finlay wasn't, wasn't a player that Derek McInnes was expecting to have this season. I feel like he signed this team, he had the team in his mind um, with, with Dees as the kind of centre-half there and then the opportunity to sign Finlay comes up and he's like, you obviously take it and he's been good and I think he had a good game again. Joe Wright's the one that obviously of the others is maybe less obviously good, but I would say it's always hard to tell how he played, but Wright was more of a right back in this game, I would say. Certainly it was it, it was it was much less of a back three than it's always in between the two, but he, he definitely did that. And I thought Wright had a had a really good game. And the thing that Wright offers you is the fact that he can he's right sided. Um and unlike Mayo, who is right sided and can play fullback and all the rest of it. Mayo is um, not physically as adept, so dealing with like Nubly, who spent mm. a bit of time out there, mm. Wright did really well in that position, as he did last season against Livingston um, in the first game, but he also scored twice in that game. So I think Dees, it's, it's a funny situation because he, he's been the, sta- uh, the, the standout, or was the standout at the start of the season, but I think he may find it a wee bit hard to get back in for the next wee while until someone does badly, to be honest, and, and I mean, so be it. I think he's he's still adapted. He's still his first season at the top flight and all that. So it won't do him any harm if he's maybe only playing 30 games or 25 games. That'll be okay as long as he's still mm. playing. Yeah. Ewan, mm. Joe Newbley, should he be dropped or <sighs> do Livingston just have that little an attack that it's hard to drop him even when he's playing consistently as badly as he is at the moment? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if Livingston do have some forward players that have like flashes of like not just him. So obviously you got Bruce Anderson, it's consistent enough. Sangari, I, I like. Um, you can argue whether he's gonna, you know, what sort of, you know, does he come from from midfield or start sort of? I mean, I, I think he could probably do a bit of the the new play role. I mean, Guthrie, I don't, I don't rate. At all, so and 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 we you do know that Nubli eventually he probably will do something you know the the the, the other forwards aren't capable of, but it's it's a shame um, that I think he, it does look like a sort of Livingston career is going to sort of peter out. I mean, I, I we we were chatting about this yesterday and the fact that like the decline in his performances is like playing into the hands of him ending up at like Kelly or someone of our mm. level rather than like um some of the you know it was a bit like when Eamon Brophy like when he busts through and you're like oh he's you know going to get a big move and then he ended up signing for St Mirren and, and no harm to St Mirren and they were paying him more than we were at the time but it, it could be one of those situations and it was funny because I, I don't know what you thought Craig is when Joel Nubley is on the pitch sometimes it, it turns into the Joel Newbley show mm. in the terms of how everyone tries to play the game. Because you could see, and, and it probably helped us that we've seen him more than more than most, I guess, of the, the championship as well. 
we were like defending very specifically to counter Joel Nubley. Like it was like when the ball went to him, we were actually letting it bounce first. Like we weren't even challenging him. And then it was only once he got on the ball that we were we were kind of going towards him. And there were a couple of times, as bad as I, I agree with you, didn't play well. He found, we just crowded him a wee bit, but he found like a really nice like through ball and completely opened up the game because we had like at the vortex mm. it was Joel Nubley had sucked everyone towards him. And Livingston didn't capitalise on those, but I feel like in a different world, because I think one of them was just before we scored the opening goal, in a different world, one of those chances goes in and it's like, oh, look, look at the impact that, that Nubley's had here. And it's... Um, it's it's a it's a funny player and and yeah. he, he, um, he, it's it's weird to see him. I feel like he's being he's being restricted now because I think he used to be a wee bit of a secret weapon and now he's like the game plan and I think that doesn't mm-hmm. help him. I would I would love to see him as like uh, you know like an additional element to a team rather than being the team, which it does feel like a lot of the time he is at Livingston. So, uh, but yeah, you, you don't know whether he'll he'll get the kind of move where that actually. Is, is going to be the case, or if you'll end up at a team that, yeah, he's, he's sort of the main man at again. But, but yeah, I, I obviously it's not gone to plan because the plan was for him not to be at Livingston this season, clearly. But he's there. I can't see him moving in in um, in January. So unless a team, I don't know, like a Ross County or something, maybe that you could see, maybe he would chuck some money at, at Livingston, possibly. But uh, whether Livingston would sell if, if they're sort of maybe in a, a bit of a relegation scrap with, with a team like Ross County or, or whoever. But yeah, I would say it looks like you'll, you'll leave on a free at the end of the season. And yeah, the, the level he, he goes to, uh, yeah, they, as you say, he could well be turn up at Kelly next season. Who knows? Before we move on, just something I noticed in kind of researching this. So the, the, I watched the game and I, I remember a couple of times. There's one in particular, Marley Watkins. I think he ended up having the shot himself, but he won the initial header over Mikey Devlin. And I was like, that kind of sums this game up so far, that Marley Watkins is winning headers over Mikey Devlin. And then I was, after watching the first 60 minutes, I just went on the, the Pine Bovril forum to see what Livingston fans were, were thinking about the game. And there, there was one that's, a few kind of pointed out that their defence just isn't as strong with Io Obelai in there. And that mm. makes a lot of sense. He's been quite solid for Livingston ever since he signed them from Queen of the South. Uh, I think before the start of the 21-22 season. And then it was saying, somebody said, I like Mickey Devlin, but he doesn't really win many headers. And I was like, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like Mickey Devlin. So I went and checked his stats on Scout. I think he's got a problem. I think he's got a problem due to the injuries. Hmm. I don't think he can head the ball anymore, or he can't get off the ground. Because his career average for heading the ball is 68% he wins of aerial duels. This season, he's at 51 and last season, with a very small sample size, this season isn't a big sample size either, but last season, an even smaller sample size, he was at 49. How, how big was it? Did he not just play one game last season, or did he play for Aberdeen it, before? It was including January? playing four or five games for, I think it was Fleetwood, he was at first half of the season. Oh. Or it was, I was like, right. where was he? Oh yeah, Scott Brown signed up, because I was like, he played like three minutes for him. <laughs> I thought it was um, one minute up front. Just, as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, eh, maybe hey, he was up for two headers at that time, fair play. It was yeah. a, he only had like, he only had like two 90 minutes, I think. I think he played like six games across the season, and he had like two 90 minutes. Um, mm. Mike, Mikey Devlin was atrocious yesterday from start to finish. Like, uh, not like in the air, yes, he got bullied a bit. And, and Watkins, I mean, Watkins is an absolute pest, so he will win headers against anyone because he just is like quite smart and knows where to put his body. But 
he was the one who immediately after Kelly scored, like got caught in possession as well. And then he was the one that it wasn't a red card, but they had the aerial challenge on Watson. And then he he definitely catches Watson with his arm. And you see as he goes down, he's like in Watson's face. Like, yeah, that was ridiculous. It was very strange, which was was actually an interesting incident because I was watching, like they they had a bit of a stop for a VR check for a while. And I don't really know what for, because I I think the challenge clearly wasn't a red. So I don't know if it was maybe for something in retaliation, but I was watching the ref quite closely. And it looked like he was like about to, point to the to go to the screen and then changed his mind and it was almost like they went and ah, nah, 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 actually there's nothing and I don't think there was anything um, unless there's something we missed so it was just a bit weird that incident in the hole mm. and, and just on that like I don't know if they were worried about a high profile VAR incident missing something missing something so soon after like the Scotland game and stuff because all three of Kelly's goals I, I'm quite a pessimist when it comes to VAR and I'm if there's any minor thought of an infringement in the lead up to a goal I'll kind of have it hanging over me about oh no should I be celebrating this or are we going to not all three of those goals I was immediately like yeah this is fine there's absolutely no way there's possibly anything and yet every single one of them he had to delay the kickoff like even with the celebrations and the players coming back and all the rest of it and I have no idea for any of the three goals what they could possibly have been looking at to be quite honest but he had to properly delay it um and, and and I don't know if that, that that was unusual, I would say. Even by VR, like mostly the checks are done by the time the players are ready to kick off, but all three goals, I don't know if there was it felt odd. There was something almost like yeah. they were they were just being absolutely sure on these. But anyway, that that's not a comment in the game, but it was just um Mikey Devlin was bad. Louis De Lucas, um not as bad, but also also <laughs> very bad. He is a very strange player. He looks like he's got his feet on the wrong way whenever he tries to kick the ball <laughs> as well. Like, he shanked three or four clearances out of the park. He did, uh, yeah, um, I think it was him. Um it was it was someone for Levy, but I think it was him had a shot from the edge of the box that, that went out between the two stands, like in the corner, um as well, which was um mm. which was quite impressive. But uh, yeah, Livingston for a team that I had was I wasn't quite singing their praises the last time we were on, but I was saying you know they they seem to be back towards the old Livingston in terms of like the way they're playing. It's just rotten. Uh, they they the fans didn't seem happy either when when Bruce Anderson got taken off. There was a lot of booze from the, I think it was for him going off um, mm. from their way end as well. Which considering that like as as we know with Livingston, it's not that big a crowd that they bring, and it wasn't at the weekend. For the for the booze to be quite so loud from from that number of fans, um, suggests it was quite a unanimous um, opinion. Right, we should move on because we've done thirty six minutes on two games. So it's <laughs> a certainty, wasn't it? Yes, you got to fill the time. So why not? Right, it's like pouring water into a bottle. Like exactly. the the amount of the, the water will spread out as uh, as wide as you make the bottle. Indeed, that's a fucking terrible. <laughs> that, there's something like that. There's a there's a thing about that. Can I move on uh, to the game not... now? <laughs> right, Hearts right. one, Celtic <laughs> four, and thank you very much for joining us on this week's episode of the Terrace. <laughs> no, um, right, right, okay, because I've got my because I went surprised when I saw this, but I've seen some Celtic fans saying it as well. I don't know. It depends on maybe the way you, in which you're watching the game. I was obviously watching this from a Hearts perspective, mm-hmm. uh, but I did see people in the group chat saying this was maybe Celtic's best performance of the season, and there were Celtic fans on the Celtic forum, Kerry Dill Street, saying it was probably their best performance since they gubbed us in the Scottish Cup back in March, I believe that would have been. Mm. So, for those who are not Hearts fans who are watching this through 
well, neutrals may be a bit of a stretch, especially <laughs> for you. And, but uh-huh. unless, unless kind of maroon tinted specs, was this mm-hmm. Celtic's best performance of the season? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the well, the best I've seen them anyway. Um, and I, I've, I would say I've seen probably most Celtic games this season. Yeah, of course you have. Yeah, <laughs> of course, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I have. Uh, and uh, and yeah, they, they they haven't looked as fluid as that to me. They haven't looked sort of generally as as all round solid. I think it's just the best, the all round best performance. I don't, I've not been particularly impressed with Celtic this season, but today was was impressive. Um, so I'm not sure anything that hurts you would have done would have worked um albeit it's unlikely that what they tried was going to work <laughs> but uh but yeah that, uh, they were good i think matt o'reilly again i mean he is he's been the best player in the, in the country this season continued in that vein Luis palma I, i'm not 100 percent sold on him yet but he, he definitely has he, he's quite different from what they have so uh, so, so that's um, particularly you, he's almost the complete opposite from um, uh, from Maida in so many ways. Like he's all sort of he, well, he's very good at kicking the ball, and he's not that good at running. Whereas Maida's probably you know, the, the other way around. So, so that that kind of works. And it was also a lovely pass for um, for uh, O'Reilly's uh, goal and even better finish. So, yeah, that's as that's as good as as Celtic have been. If that is any solace, Greg. <laughs> It's not really, it's not really. No. I mean, it feels like, I mean, Matt O'Reilly, Matt O'Reilly right now is so very clearly the player of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many, it's, it's at that point now where like, how many weeks would he have to put in five out of ten performances before he's no longer the front runner for player of the year? It feels like already like we'd have to get to January yeah. before people go, oh wait, actually, maybe he's not, maybe it's somebody else. He's just so clearly out in front as being the best player in the Scottish football so far this season. Yeah. Yeah, he's been running the match pretty much every game he's played. Yeah, and uh, Palma was the other one I was going to bring on as well. Yeah, the kind of yeah, I've said it before. He kind of he, he does it. He's a very different type of player in terms of Scott Sinclair in that first Brendan Rodgers team because Sinclair was a lot more about power and pace, and he was mm-hmm. just bloody terrifying. Palma's not quite got that. He doesn't impose himself physically on a game in the same way that Sinclair was able to. But he is just somebody that just seems kind of he's that directness, the right footer on the left of the mm. the front three, the guy who's just going to be there about getting goals and getting assists, and and the Scottish top flight is probably going to average out getting one every two games, one of the mm. two every two games between now and the end of the season. So yeah. seems like a decent purchase for them. Okay, can I start moaning about Hearts now? <laughs> yeah, we're giving Celtic the enough time. Uh, go for it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it might have been Celtic's best performance of the season. They really weren't fucking going up against much, by the way. Hearts were... Uh-huh. Like, so many... That's right, there's so much here about to start. Let's start with some terrible, terrible individual performances. Uh, Callum Nguyenhoff in the mm. centre of the park. Abysmal. Uh, absolute shocker. Why he didn't match O'Reilly's run from the, the third minute in to... You know, stop Celtic opening the score so early beats me, but that kind of set the tone for his entire performance. He was completely all over the place. I, th- I quite, I think in recent matches he's actually started to come on in a game, and I've quite liked him, liked the look of him. He was one of the better players against Kelly. He was Hearts' best player against Ross County. He was there was a couple of moments in the derby where he gave up possession a little too easily in dangerous areas. 
but otherwise I was quite impressed with him. I like the way he can recycle possession quite quickly and effectively. And if you're wanting to move the ball between defence and attack, he's the type of player that I think is quite good for that. He moves it reasonably. He doesn't dwell on the ball too much and he's, his passing is quite good. But, oh dear Lord, he was so out of his depth against Celtic there. That was uh, frightening. Speaking of out of their depth, Alex Cochran. Hmm. I think Alex Cochran is a very good left back and he's probably still one of my favourite players at the club. I'd happily never see him go up again. Dyson made that ever again. He, he gets tortured by him every single time, and this was no different. Uh, that was, yeah, that, that was quite something. <laughs> and not even, and not even just Maeda, because the second goal comes with him just not matching the run of Rio Hatai either. I was like, <laughs> but there was so many like, times like like Hearts were so like stood off a Celtic the entire game. I'll, I'll save it, like my new Naismith rant till to the end of this. But like there was just Celtic, it was just made so easy for Celtic in which to to move the ball and to pass it well and to to do their triangles and to to look as good as they did do. The Hearts just didn't. There wasn't enough physicality for Hearts in this game. They didn't try to throw. They didn't do anywhere near enough to try to throw Celtic off their stride. They didn't get in their face. They didn't try to upset them. They didn't try to do anything really. And the last of the dreadful performances, I would say Alex Lowry as well. And this could segue oh. into the new, uh, so the Naismith complaint is that I thought Alex Lowry was, I mean, he came off the bench and scored against Kelly, he came off the bench and scored against, sorry, made the goal against County. He was very good against Hibs. Every single one of those games, he was playing in the number 10 role because we've already established so far this season that he can't play out on the left. He doesn't really mm-hmm. know what to do when he does it. So why was he back out on the left? Well, I know why he was back out on the left, because, and this is the only thing I think Naismith really got right with this team, was that he wanted Vargas to start up front for his pace and directness. I think Vargas had one of the better games of any of the Hearts players. So that was the right thing to do. But then when you do that, he obviously is thinking, well, I can't really drop Lowry because he's our best player in the last game. And he's been a real difference maker in the last three but I also can't lock, drop Lauren Shankland, even though kind of probably does deserve to be dropped. But he's the captain and he's the top goal scorer for last season. And at this point, we kind of treat him like he's Harry Kane. Like he just never, not only does he never get dropped, he never gets subbed off. In fairness, this game showed why you don't do that. Like why, yeah. why you do just keep him playing all the time. Um, because he can just produce what he just produced in this game, an excellent finish out of nowhere, having had a pretty shit game himself. But at the same time, I do think that Shankland should have a couple of games out of the team to, whether it's to recharge the batteries, recharge his mental batteries, to give him a kick up the backside, whatever it is, I think he needs to come at the, the, the starting eleven for a couple of games. He doesn't have to necessarily not appear at all. Mm-hmm. And especially with like Rangers away coming up next, that maybe be a time to just say, you take this, you sit this one out, Lawrence, and then, You'd be back in the team for the for the semi or for the Livingston or or whatever. But yeah, so the, mm. the main complaint about Naismith in this one. Well, two, one again, going back to last season, and this is what I keep doing with Naismith all the time. But where was where was the performance against Celtic? Where was the manner in which Hearts attacked Celtic in the way that they did? And, and I don't just mean attacked in terms of going at them in an attacking football sense. I mean attacked them all over the park, got in their face, pressed them well. Harry them, used the tight pitch of Tynecastle, played with real intensity. Where was that that we saw in the game where Hearts lost 2-0 because of Cochrane's very harsh sending off not long before half time? In this game, and also 
substitutions again. Why? Why the fuck? I mean, the game is pretty much gone by that point anyway. But why the fuck did he start the same team in the second half and not bring on Beringame and not bring on Oda? The two subs that he made after Hearts went three 0 down, and then funnily enough, mm-hmm. after that, Hearts actually started to play not quite as badly as they had been doing. So you finished the cricket? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I yes, I would, uh, I would agree with all of that, just not quite as passionately as you put it across there. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, it's like, I, when, I, when I saw Lowry was starting, I thought, mm. uh, I mean, I, I want him, to, you know, from a Rangers fan's perspective, I want him to start these games because, you know, I want him to feel out of his depth and learn, and that's that. I mean, that's obviously the frustrating thing for Hearts fans because you don't care about that. <laughs> But no. uh, that that's obviously the, uh, the the reason that he's on loan and he's not playing for Rangers because he's not good enough to, to play in those kind of games yet. Um, and he and he might he might show flashes now and again. I mean, he's already had the the gift treatment from when he sort of sat down Rio Tati, uh, which will think make a lot of Rangers fans think he had a really good game, but obviously he didn't have anything of the sort. So you know he, he will give you wee moments, but the amount of times he, he actually even when he did get on the ball, which is my my. Probably my biggest complaint with Lowry at the moment is I don't think he's very good at getting himself on the ball. And certainly every time in a, in a, in a game like that, and he got bullied by uh, Alistair Johnson badly. You know, any time it was a sort of big 50-50 or the ball came up to Lowry and Lowry had his back to goal, he just was losing every time, I thought. But even the times towards just towards the end of the first half, he did get on the ball a couple of times in sort of decent enough positions. That, you know, he drifted into a central position on the ball and just was pretty wasteful. So, so yeah, these, uh, you know, that that will be the frustration because I, I think he probably will be better in that kind of game at the end of the season if he, if he keeps you know playing every week. But he, he's he's a fair distance off you being the whole package, and and that's you will get you know, he he will win Hearts games this season. He already has obviously, and and he win Hearts more games this season. But he he will also let Hearts down. You know, pray badly, which is in a, in a way that would be more than forgivable if if he was a Hearts youth player, but he's not. So you have to weigh up. It's not quite the same as you know, when when Aberdeen had like Ryan Christie on loan, for yeah. example, because he'd already he'd already had that that's that sort of period when he was at uh, Cali Thistle. You know, and he'd he'd played he must have played a hundred odd games for Cali Thistle before he left. So you know, he he was an experienced you know Premiership player at that time. Lowry's not so. You're gonna get games like today where he's just sort of a, a duck out of water, or a fish out of water. Ducks are already out of water. Yeah, for a small for a small amount of time, they they, mm. they can't live outside the water, no. presumably. I, I yeah, and 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 what you said, like I think you can't have a you can't if you want to get anything against Celtic, you can't have a passenger in your team. Mm. And then he was a passenger today. He was not the only, as you said, poor performer for Hearts. And but but he was. I think the the rest of the attackers like involved themselves in the game there were moments where they pressed all right it wasn't consistent but there was a couple of times where they kind of worried Celtic into mistakes at the back and if sometimes if you just have your wee bit of luck with that and you've got another player joining that press you're going to get away with that but you you mentioned Cochrane as well he got no protection which Mm. you need when you've got Maida even forgetting about Johnston coming up from fullback like you need someone just to even be able to go two on one a bit more with um with Maida, which which he didn't get, and Maida's crossing as usual let him down. But there were three or four chances where they he could have created goals mm-hmm. even before before it did become two and three. Um, so yeah, it was just that all round like I, I could imagine being really quite frustrated as a Hearts fan watching that 
with the caveat that Celtic did play very well because I, I I thought that myself. I was surprised to hear Crocker on the commentary saying, "Oh, you know, they they were showing signs of clicking against Kelly last week when when most of their fans were a wee bit critical of how they played against us." I thought, but today I thought, or or uh, they they were much more the Celtic that I think Rogers wants to see. Um, obviously it sets them up for a a big game in Europe in midweek where they're not going to be able to play the way they did against Hearts. So it will be interesting to see how um, how all that goes. Um, just to touch before we finish on that penalty decision, that, that's one of the worst um, worst VR non-interventions I think you'll ever see. That was just not a penalty. Hmm. Well, that, 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 I think we should just end it now because I could go on a VR rant, but we've, we've talked it off. So, somehow, three games have managed to go over 50 minutes. I mean, I, I don't know how I didn't see this coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just any time we've got to fill the time. We will fill that time, ladies and gentlemen. We will fill that time. But that's it for us for now. Thank you very much. If you'd like to hear more and if you'd like to hear on the topic of VR, then mm. we will. Uh, Craig, are you still going to have the time to record this tonight? Yeah, that's all good. Right, cool. Right, so Craig and Ewan watch the Sky Sports documentary, I think you would call it. Yeah, so you don't have to and, and uh, don't. Which aired on Sunday, and it's basically a, a year in VR and Scottish football, and kind of looking at the process. And so they're going to talk about that and kind of VR in general. And so that's available on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. That will be on the. Actually, I'm going to put this up straight away. So that's on the five pound per month tier. Um, the the lowest tier is two pounds per month. If you'd like to just dip your toe in a little bit, and also. You'll probably be noticing that there have been extra podcasts been going up. That it's because October has been open the vault month for us, where we have been putting up past Patreons up on our feed for free for people to listen to. So if you like them, again, please subscribe to the Patreon where you can get so much more content around that. And as you've noticed as well, we're going into video. We're kind of expanding what we're doing in terms of our social media output. So you can subscribe to us on YouTube. It's just the same as everything else, Terrace. At, uh, at Terrace Podcast, I think it is. Let's double check that now. Uh, you can also uh, get us. Uh, our Instagram is active again as well. After just basically ignored that for a long time, and we're also available on Twitter as we always are. Yeah, at Terrace Podcast for YouTube. So yeah, make sure to sign up for that as well, and that'll do us. You'd say goodbye. Goodbye. Craig, say goodbye. Cheerio. And I'm Craig Fowler. Until next time. Goodbye. Podcast Network.